0: I'm Emma-Louise Coffey, and you're welcome to The Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's show, Karina Pierce from the School of Agriculture at UCD explains the research into high output systems where the milking platform is limited in size.
1: In the years coming up to 2015, I suppose, like a lot of farmers, we were considering expansion of the herd here. And so over that time, actually, 2015 into 16, we expanded from 100 to 200 cows. And we actually set up two herds for the first time at at that point. And one of those herds is this high input-output 60 cow. It's a high EBI herd. Um, all spring calving on a a limited milking platform of about 17 and a half hectares. Um, So I suppose within that system, we set ambitious targets for milk output and for fertility, but very importantly, in a grass-based system. So I suppose what we were evaluating was these high EBI animals under the conditions which we can talk about in a while around stocking rate and higher input. Um, really with the aim of developing a, a profitable, high output uh, spring milk production system.
0: And what's the rationale for that? Like, you know, you're looking at a limited land base. You know, there's there's more land at the Lions Farm than what's allocated to to this project.
1: So I suppose because we're interested in and we're researchers um We were listening to the farmers that were coming to the farm here and different groups that were coming about the challenges that they faced in the in the post quota era. So I think, you know, it's widely recognised as it should be that grass based systems, you know, will predominate and we should be developing those um, in Ireland. But I suppose there are some reasons to consider maybe the development of grazing systems based on a higher output per cow. Um, for a lot of people or a lot of farmers, they are limited by land. That might be just that they're restricted. Um, the land around them is taken, the expense of taking on or purchasing more land. And then you also have a lot of farmers who are managing farms or in uh, on fragmented um, land banks. And so that's a big challenge. So how do those farmers expand their dairy business? then also as farms look at expanding through more cows and more land that brings a significant challenge around um, employing and finding uh, skilled labour and you would have dealt with that issue a number of times as well Um, and then I suppose if we look at the overall concerns around increasing dairy cow numbers and environmental emissions you know from a national perspective I suppose we were interested to see could we get more from less cows
0: and then I guess if we if we consider the performance and the output, um, you mentioned high EBI spring calving um, is the type of cow you're looking for. Is high EBI important to you?
1: Ye? Yeah, so that was very important to us, I suppose. What was interesting to us is that lions, even though we were high output and even though traditionally, you know, we're in liquid milk, Um, on the farm as a whole, of the 200 cows, um, we were within sort of the top 10 or 15% of EBI. So we had been breeding for EBI since it came in in 2000. So in terms sort of of, our interest then was in continuing to develop that, seeing this kind of significant improvements that were being made on farms that were focusing on EBI in terms of solids and fertility. So sort of we wanted to continue to develop that and In this, I suppose we wanted to test high EBI animals in sort of this maybe higher input system and to evaluate that in terms of output and economics and and so on.
0: And you set an ambitious target in terms of your milk production, Um, you know, 625 kilos of milk solids per cow. Uh, You know, that's significantly higher than the national average currently. So with two years of results to date, uh, have you reached your target?
1: So I suppose um, we've seen some interesting results on that. One of the challenges that faced us or some of the comments that we got initially was that, you know, these high EBI animals won't milk. They won't give the milk that you, you, you might want in what you'd consider a high output system. So our targets were around... Six twenty-five kilos of milk solids and seven and a half to eight thousand kilos of milk so what we've seen in terms of actual results we'd say over 2016-17 is about seven and a half thousand kilos of milk supplied and about 590 kilos of milk solids so we are achieving within five percent of those targets that we have set in terms of output which i think is 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 good to see now obviously for that We are feeding a tonne and a half of concentrates, which is higher than the average in the country. But I think one of the challenges or one of the issues that we see as there's all sorts of talks about dairy systems and which is right and which is wrong. A lot of people are actually in a system where they're feeding around a tonne of meal, but they're only getting about 400 kilos of solids for that. What we're doing is we're feeding higher amounts of feed, but we're using grass well and we're getting a good response to the feed that we're giving.
0: I suppose we'll delve more into the diet. Um, You mentioned a tonne and a half of concentrate. Can you talk through the annual feed budget, you know, a tonne and a half of concentrate? um, You know, some some people estimate five and a half tonnes of feed per cow. You know, where does your cow fit into that system?
1: So we would be closer out to six tons of feed per cow. So the average, say, live rate of the cows is around 620 kilos of solid. So we would estimate that the cows, you know, are eating around six tons. Um, and so I suppose the diet that they have available to them is grazed grass grass silage and concentrate. So again, that would be different to what we would traditionally consider for a, a high input system where you have a, would have a lot of buffer feeding, maize silage, other feeds going in there. So we've tried to keep the overall diet as simple um, as we could. So I suppose really how we've set it up, over the last few years is that the feed budget goes on days of lactation so as cows calve down then we would build their concentrate levels up to eight kilos and they would be on that for about the first 60 days of lactation and then that will fall then as lactation progresses but they would be to the, to a low level of say three kilos of meal per day but they would be on meal um, throughout at, all the time at all points of the year So I suppose then overall, we have about a tonne and a half of um, concentrate going in. That's a set amount. We have just over three tonne of grass going in. And then we have about maybe 1.3 tonne of silage dry matter going in as well.
0: So you mentioned at three tonnes grazed grass, that represents about 50% of the dairy cow diet. Is there scope to increase this?
1: Yeah, so that would be very much our ambition to increase that. So I suppose we have to look at the grass that we're currently growing um, on the uh, the block. And so we have continued, we have increased that over a number of years. And Bridget Lynch with us here has done really great work in that. Um, so in 2017, which was as you know a really good year for grass, we grew seven or we grew 14 tons. That was up a ton from the previous year in 2016 at 13. And um, so our ambition obviously for 2018 was to increase that again. And um Unfortunately, I suppose the way this year has gone, we will be down on that significantly as as all farms will. But moving on into next year, we want to increase that. And the aim then is that we will increase grazed grass in the diet and that we will cut out, you know, as much silage as we can. Um, we're also going into a new phase of funding and where we're going to be now, we're really looking at sort of the questions from 2019, 20 and 21 for the next three year period. And that may involve different concentrate levels where we're actually going to look at this system, maybe with lower or higher levels you know running together but a low and a higher level of concentrate and in the lower level we will definitely be able to get more grass into the diet
0: and I guess you know regardless of whether you hold your concentrate feeding at 1.5 tonnes if you are able to replace some of the grass silage with grazed grass there will be an economic benefit in terms of the overall cost of feeding
1: yes there will yeah because I suppose if you look at sort of the traditional costs that are put grazed or grass silage would be about say twice the cost of, of grazed grass so we will see a benefit from that. I suppose one of the challenges that we face in this higher stock system is I suppose at the shoulders of the year and if fertility improves and we have more grazing power at the start of the year and we use grass better then and then as we get towards the end of the year I suppose there's a challenge in building covers in the autumn time with a higher stock system as well but as I say I suppose Bridget Lynch with us here is doing a lot of really good work on that and I suppose that's one of the outcomes of this system is Talking, which wouldn't traditionally have been done in higher output systems, talking about the importance of grass grown and grass utilised, the challenges at different times of the year, and how you might best manage them if you're in this kind of a system.
0: And I suppose you, you touched on fertility there, Karina. Um, a lot of people would presume, and and a lot of research in the past would have uh, shown a link between high milk production and low fertility and you're certainly achieving the high milk production are you seeing low fertility performance in the herd?
1: Okay so the herd I suppose was set up in running really in 2016 so when you set up a herd first there can be you know, challenges around fertility as the herd settles in and so on. We see with some of the farms like Chinook or Greenfields, they would have had very high replacement rates in the first few years. So we need to give it a few years. And that's why this research needs more than, we'll say, a year or two to see results. But you're absolutely right in the past the big challenges with these high output cows has been poor fertility. But I suppose we believe that we're dealing with a very different type of animal now. You know, an animal that's in the top 1% of EBI in the country. So the EBI currently is around 160. Um, So that's telling us these animals should be profitable. Um, And you know, while we're testing them in kind of different conditions, you know, that we're confident that we can see good fertility um, with them. What we have seen, though, in 2016 and 17 is a first service conception rate of about 43 percent in one year and 50 percent in another year. So that wouldn't be good. A six week pregnancy rate of 59 percent and 54 percent. So they would be well below the targets that we set. So our target for a six-week pregnancy rate, as Chagas would set, was 75%. So we fell way below that in the two years. So I suppose we still had that challenge of, you know, achieving um, a high output and high fertility, that sort of dual goal that that we have. Um, so what we did coming into 2018 was we had a review meeting. We got some sort of experts around the table to look at what we had been doing in, in previous years. And we made some changes this year. We went twice a day AI, and we also added a scratch card to all animals, as well as the use of the Moo monitor. And um, because visual observation when we don't have anybody living on the farm here is a challenge. And what we've seen this year, we bred 55 cows, so we had a pre-breed scan and decided not to breed a number of cows. our submission rate was 96%, our first service conception rate was 69% um, and our six week pregnancy rate has been 84%. So we have had fantastic um, fertility results this year and counting the animals that we didn't breed, our empty rate after the final scan is 13% in 12 weeks.
0: Okay so a remarkable improvement over the you know in in this year where you've made yes. some small changes to the the breeding uh, season. Um I suppose finally Karina you know you've touched on the importance of you know achieving the output um when you're putting in a high level of feed. And you made reference to the national average, you know, producing a roughly 400 kilos of solids from a tonne of concentrate, you know, and, and you're above that at 590 kilos uh, of milk solids from a tonne and a half of concentrate. I suppose if you could just sum up by giving us your top three tips to achieving a high level of output from such a system.
1: So, again, grass grown and grass utilised is key. So, um While traditionally higher input systems wouldn't have focused on grass, grass quality is so important. The more digestible the grass is, the better the grassland management is, the more these cows will eat and the better they will perform. Um, That, I suppose, fertility is really key as well in these cows because we want just as as other grass-based systems do, we want a tight calving pattern. So, you know, we we have to really focus um, on on fertility um, in in these cows uh, as well. But I think that we need to challenge these animals too. They aren't the animals that we would have been dealing with 20 years ago. You know, they are resilient in tough grazing conditions. We've been able to get animals out early in the year. We've been able to push them to graze in in challenging conditions um, so that we can, you know, achieve a high level of output, we can, you know, get these animals to graze and to achieve the kind of targets we're we're, we're aiming for. So I suppose to, to challenge people with these kind of cows and in this kind of system that they can actually push these cows in a way maybe you wouldn't have considered in the past.
0: That's great. Thank you, Karina.
1: Thank you very much, Emma-Louise.
0: That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Karina Pierce for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.